Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome back to the show on episode 597. Today we are going to look at verse 80 of the parents Tao Te Ching. And we only have one more verse after this one before we reach the end of the book. I hope you have enjoyed reading through the Tao the parents Tao Te Ching with me as much as I have enjoyed reading it. And I hope you've gotten out of it as much as I have. So let's dive into verse 80. It's called Empty Nest. If parents follow wisdom, their children remain happy. They content themselves with simple pleasures and don't look to constant stimulation to keep themselves amused. They love being at home and don't have to go elsewhere for approval and acceptance. When they leave home to continue with their own adventure, they carry with them confidence, contentment, and joy. And their parents watch them leave with satisfaction, peace, and happiness. The empty nest syndrome should never bother parents of the Tao. Of course we'll miss our children. But all their lives, we have helped them embrace life and welcome change. We have learned to do the same. New moments await us. Our nest and theirs is never empty. So this, <clears throat> this verse strikes a particular chord with me at the point of life that I am in having a college freshman. I know that I have talked on episodes over the past year or so about the mental prep work I had been going through to be ready to send him off to college and to be prepared that all of my, what I say, birdies, won't be under my wing and in my nest. I did a lot of mental preparation, especially the year that he, uh, his senior year, the last year of high school. And I tried to, I tried to prepare him for years leading up to that. I think I gave him responsibility for doing his own laundry when he was in seventh grade. So, you know, back then I had a particular day of the week that I did laundry and I asked the kids before they left for school to bring their laundry baskets down. 
And he just was continually not doing it, and then he wouldn't have time, and he'd have to get out the door for school. And I finally said to him, I do laundry on this day, and if you can't bring it down, if you keep doing this, then I'm going to have to give you responsibility for your own laundry. And rather than bring the laundry basket down right on the spot, he said, okay, I'll do my own laundry. He was perfectly happy to do it. And so I thought, well, okay, then you're, you, you now have responsibility for your laundry. And I stood with him at the laundry and I taught him about, uh, taught him how to separate lights from darks from whites and that whites can have bleach and hot water if they need it. Well, they should always have hot water, but they can have bleach if they need it. We use bleach when necessary. Um, Colors have to be, darks have to be washed in cold because they'll fade or bleed onto other colors, other clothes, and lights can be washed in warm. But I taught him all of that. I taught him how to do laundry, separate laundry, which buttons to push, how to move it through. And he has been doing his laundry ever since. Now, does he do it exactly the way I would want? No. When the, when the, Many times when the laundry comes out of the dryer, well, I would say in the past, when the laundry comes out of the dryer, he would just stuff it in his basket and take it upstairs and then leave it there where it would get all rumpled. But now I would say maybe over the past year, he folds the laundry when it's hot out of the dryer so that it's not full of wrinkles and so that when he puts it on, it doesn't look like it's been balled up in the back of his closet. But anyway, I digress, I suppose. I've been preparing him in a variety of different ways to be ready for independence, to be ready for the transition from being in high school to living on his own somewhat, you know, pretty much on his own in college. And if you've listened to my uh, podcasts over the years, I think think my podcast might be four years old by now, but I'd have to look back and see. But if you've listened to it over the past several years, you have definitely heard episodes that share some versions of teaching him more and more burgeoning, blossoming independence. And so I realized that I need to step it up and do the same with my daughter because she's in 10th grade. But anyway, back to this verse. The emptiness syndrome should never bother parents of the Tao. I have to say, and I, I, I know I spoke about this in uh, podcast episodes back in the fall. I had a bit of a rough transition the first maybe two months after my son left. I wondered what the frequency of our contact would be, who would initiate it, what format it would take, whether it would be phone call, text message, email, FaceTime. And I wanted to not smother him and hawk over him, but yet I didn't want him to feel like I just sent him off to college and forgot who he was because 
trust me, as I'm sure you listening to this would imagine and agree, I didn't forget about him, not for one minute. But I didn't want him to feel like we just forgot, I just forgot who he was. And so I wondered about how all of this would go and what the transition would look like. And for a couple of months, probably until October, probably mid to late October, I felt very out of sorts after we dropped him off at school. I felt just like there was something missing, some unfinished business. I couldn't exactly put my finger on it, but I felt somewhat untethered and ungrounded. And I still can't exactly articulate what it was specifically that uh, that I was struggling with. So I kind of chalked it up to just living the transition of sending him off to school. But oddly enough, we planned a trip to Boston last uh, October. We were going to see, we were going to go to Salem, Massachusetts, which is a great place to visit for a weekend in October leading up to Halloween. We did it when my son was, my older son was, uh, about four months old, and we did it again last fall. He didn't go with us because he couldn't because of school, but the four the the four of us, the rest of us went. And <clears throat> there, I I I can't, We had a lovely, wonderful weekend. Uh, we explored Boston. The pandemic kind of impacted our plans with Salem. But we explored Boston all outside, all on foot, and a little bit on a rented city bike. Um, we had a wonderful, wonderful bonding weekend. Total, totally fun. And then when I got home, that feeling was gone. That feeling of being untethered and ungrounded, even though my son wasn't there. So I, I, I don't. I, I wish I had more clarity around what particularly was bothering me. And how and why that trip to Boston fixed it all, I I don't really know. But I felt great, and I felt back to myself after that trip. And then when he went back to school after the winter break, I felt a little untethered, but it was only for a week or so, maybe two weeks at the max. And I recognized the feelings instantly, and I didn't do anything particular this time, and they just kind of went away. So I'm grateful for that. But anyway, <clears throat> this concept of the empty nest, <clears throat> of course, it says, of course, we'll miss our children. And of course, I did. But all their lives, we have helped them embrace life and welcome change. And we have learned to do the same. New moments await us. Our nest and theirs is never empty. And so it's been for me, uh, sending one off out of the nest has been a very interesting and emotional time filled with transition. But I, I, I'm, we're almost at the end of his freshman year at this point. And I think 
that I can look at his transition to school and feel really good about it. I feel like my husband and I did a, a pretty darn good job of moving him to ever greater stages of independence because he made the transition seamlessly. He handled his freshman year in college beautifully. He, his grades were really good. He made friends at school. He played on the volleyball team. Now he's got a new girlfriend who I absolutely adore. And so he is thriving as far as I can see. He's doing so, so well. And I know a lot of it has to do with who he is as a person, but I'd like to maybe take a little bit of credit as his parent for the way that we, I, I for probably the last eight years, this has been the case. I have had one eye on the future, one eye on the day he moves out of our house. Well, for college, you know, just to go to college. <clears throat> I assumed he would go to college, but, you know, never expected that that's what he would choose in his life. I just kind of assumed, based on what I observed in him, that that would be the path he would choose. But uh, he could have chosen, you know, any other path and, uh, well, any other career or something that didn't require college, and that would have been fine too. But I, I, I had my eye, since he was about 10 or 11, I had my eye on the day he would fly the nest. And I knew that I had to start preparing him then, that we had to start preparing him then. So we just gave him greater and greater uh, bits of freedom and independence, but also responsibility. And many, 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 many talks and lots of uh, conversations between me and my husband, lots of me reading books, lots of us trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. I remember when he was nine years old on his ninth birthday, I woke up. And as soon as my eyes opened, I knew it was his ninth birthday and I felt a bit melancholy because I thought, his childhood is half over already. I feel like he was just born a week ago and he's nine. Now nine doesn't seem so old, but halfway through his childhood? How is this even possible? How did this happen? So once I kind of slowly got a grip on that, and how fast his childhood was going by me, then I realized, hey, I, we can't wait until he's 16 or 17 to prepare him for independence. We need to start now. And so I, I really feel good. It feels good to be at a point where I can look back and feel good about some of the decisions, a lot of the decisions we made. And the early years when he was young, he likes to joke that we're his, or that he's our science, uh, our experiment, our experimental child, 
because we tried the timeout, we tried the punishment, we tried taking away video games and time with friends, and none of it worked. And we were constantly having power battles. But I found my dear friend, Dr. Shafali, and my parenting transformation began. And it felt, it, it feels really good to be able to look back over the second half of his childhood and realize that we really did figure it out as parents. You know, we're not perfect, obviously, and never will be. But for the most part, we really figured it out. And now I love, love, love helping other parents to figure it out so that they can get to a similar place to where we are, which is just, I absolutely love my son. I love all of my kids, obviously. I love them all dearly. They are like my oxygen. But if we just specifically talk about my son, I love him. I know that he's capable of being a contributing member of society and living successfully as an independent adult, which was always my goal with them. And I, I, I'm overjoyed when I get to spend time with him. I love him. He's in some ways very similar to me and in other ways completely polar opposite. But I am filled with joy when I get to be with him. His, he and his girlfriend came home, came to our house uh, just a couple days ago and we were sitting having a family dinner and I was just, my heart was ready to burst. Having all of my, my husband and my mother-in-law, my children here and then his girlfriend who I adore, I, I was filled to overflowing. It was wonderful. So I also want to tie this up at the end by saying, if you're struggling with your kids or your child and you're not really sure if you can get to this place that I'm describing, reach out to me. I help parents all the time with these kinds of challenges and struggles and they really do get to a better place with their children, a more peaceful place, and they start to enjoy each other. It's the most beautiful thing. And I actually do have just a few, two or three openings in my schedule right now. So if you wanted to work with me, just reach out to me because I do actually have the time right now. So anyway, I will wrap this up. And I want to say, wherever you are in this world, I hope that your day and your heart are filled with hope because there's always a reason to feel hopeful. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to erin 
at erin-taylor.com. If you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode, our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.